Welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. And I pray that the message will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. This morning, our scripture, our text is coming from the book of 2 Timothy, scripture that was read in your hearing earlier. Focus in on what Paul says in verse 6 to Timothy. For this reason, I remind you, the NIV says, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. The King James, New King James and other versions say, stir up the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. I want to I wanna just use that for thought this morning. Stirring up the fire of God that is in you. Hallelujah. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void. It accomplishes what you desire. You prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us today. Thank you, Lord, for prospering your word that you have sent in Jesus' name. Grant a fresh anointing of your spirit. Fill me up, Lord, till I overflow. In the preaching of the gospel, the ministering to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Stirring up the fire of God that is in you. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Last week, God reminded us to be careful that we don't put out another believer's fire, but that we recognize, encourage, and do what is necessary to help our fellow believers in their faith, in the faith, walk in the fulfillment of their assignment that God has given to them. That's so important, so important. This week, the Lord is leading us in the same direction, amen, to look at another biblical personality and to get a picture of another side of the exact same thing that he talked to us about last week. Last week, it was Jethro and Moses. This week, it's Paul and Timothy, amen. See, believers, is important for our faith to remain intense in our relationship with God so that we can engage with him as he moves and works in this world today. Without a vibrant, intense, burning faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will place the least effort we can into his work. We'll do something, but it won't be the best we can do. 
And we will hide behind, some of us, I don't hear this among, among a lot of young people, but some people hide behind, well, God only asks you to do your best. Well, you have to ask yourself, are you really doing your best? <laughs> That's what you have to ask yourself. Have you really prepared yourself to do your very best to the Lord, for the Lord and for the Lord's work? Amen. Uh, so without this vibrant, burning, fiery faith, a faith that's on fire for God, our focus will be on our own endeavors, our own selves, our own agendas, and not on him. And as innocent as that might sound or might seem, it create, creates problems in everyday life, in everyday living and everyday relationships when our faith is not on fire for God. How do we, how do we translate? I was just, as I was, as the praise team was ministering, the Holy Spirit just began to speak to me and say, how do, the question arose, how do we, how do we get to the point where we care about other people? How do, how do we get to the point that you care about my feelings and I care about yours? How do we get beyond that person makes me sick? How do we get beyond I don't want to hear that person sing? How do we? I mean, practical, everyday. How do we get beyond that? And, and, you know, this is not just church. How do you get beyond when you're in an argument with your spouse saying things that really don't edify or build up? How do you? How do you get beyond? Oh, it really doesn't matter. How, how do you get beyond? Listen, <laughs> this, is, this, is a, this is a tough one. <laughs> It's not bad, and I'm not pointing my fingers at anybody. I'm not throwing off on anybody. It just is what it is. How do we get beyond being late for worship? When 99.9% when of us in here, if we're working on a job, would never be late for worship. Some people I know would get to their work get to that job 30 minutes before time to prepare to go on the floor do what they're supposed to do, to get things in order. But when it comes to worshiping the Lord, we just drag in the sanctuary. Well, I'll get there for the message. I don't really like hearing the praise teams, but this is worship. This is worship to the Lord. So do you come to be entertained or do you come to worship the Lord? That, that, this is some everyday stuff that a burning, vibrant faith answers. Challenges us in. It does. When you're tired and you feel worn out, but you still have to do. Vernon a burning, vibrant faith says, I still present my best to the Lord. 
is my tiredness. It's everyday stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when we hear the gospel preached, we can't just hear it from the vantage point that I got to go out and witness. We got to hear it from, I got to live every day in relationship with God and in relationship with God's people. How do we get there? How, how do we get there? You know? How? How? I just feel like I need to just stay there just for a little while. But, uh, you know, we're talking about stirring up the fire of God that's in you. And I tell you what, there are certain things that the fire of God won't allow to remain in us. Amen. There are things that God will burn up and burn out of us, even as we struggle every day with life. Yeah. We need the wisdom of God because we really don't have life all figured out. All right. We might think we do. We don't have life all figured out. We need the wisdom of God that comes from the one who created mankind and knows how mankind should function in the whole scheme of his creation. Since we're studying the Bible, we're not just learning facts. We're learning how we should operate, how we should function in the whole scheme of God's creation. Yeah, so I'm learning as I study the Bible how to relate to my wife, how to relate to my son, how to relate to to the, 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 the parishioners, the saints that God has given me to minister to. I'm learning how to relate to, to political groups and other groups that I may be a part of. I'm learning how to relate, amen, to, to people on the mission field. I'm learning as I study the word of God. God speaks to each one of these situations because he wants me to function in life in a way that will bring glory to him and whatever comes at me in life, because I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what I'm going to face when I get out of worship this afternoon. I don't know what I'm going to face. But the Lord knows, and the Lord is, as I study his word, amen, just like the, the soldier that goes to boot camp, I'm, I'm learning how to deal with potential situations that may come up. So if the situation comes up, I've already learned how to deal with it. Now, 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 yeah. That's why we're filled with the Holy Spirit because he brings back to our remembrance those things. You don't know what you're going to face, but he knows what you're going to face. Yeah, when you go to your job tomorrow, he knows what's there. Amen. And he may not tell you beforehand. He may not even warn you. But if you've been attentive to him, he's been preparing you. So when the situation arises... Holy Spirit is going to speak, and you're going to have the answer. You're going to have the right reaction. So can someone say the right reaction? Hmm. Hmm. So that means that this, this, this faith that we preach about, this faith that we sing about, this faith has to be real in everyday life. It's got to be. It's got to be real. It's got to be real as I live in the house with my wife. It's got to be real as she lives in the house with me. It's got to be real as I, as I go to the gas station and pump gas. 
It's got to be real when I'm on the interstate and somebody, somebody cuts across in front of me. I'm not, I don't have a finger to throw up at them. Are you hearing? I don't have a finger to throw up at them. I might nod my head. I might wait. <laughs> Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hallelujah. Anyway, so all that wasn't in the message, so now I got to come back around to, 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 to what the Lord gave. But I believe the Lord spoke to us this morning because we cannot, we cannot afford to not see how our faith operates in everyday practical situations. You live every day practically. Are you hearing me? You engage people practically every day. And the people that you know, many times the people that you're closest to are the ones that you don't treat the way you ought to treat. In a godly way. You feel like you can say anything to your husband. No, that's a child of God. You feel like you can say anything to your wife and treat your wife any kind of way. No, that's a child of God. You are a person of faith. You feel like in the body of Christ, you can say anything about anybody or you can refuse to work with anybody because you don't like them. No, this is the body of Christ. This is the everyday practical stuff that we need to, that we need to get it, you know, it's not about always about going out and witnessing. Yes, we got to witness and we got to other people, tell other people about the love of Jesus. But what about that person that you see every day who needs to experience the love of Christ from you? Now, you may have some, I don't have one son, so this doesn't apply to me uh, in the sense of like, like my parents had 11 children. So, so some children are different. You know, all children are not alike. All right. All right. So you got 11 children. You know you got some different personalities in that house. But you got to know how to deal with them from the love of Christ, regardless of what their personalities are. Some children are rebellious. Some children are humble. I was one of the humble ones. <laughs> no, I did my dirt. Amen. And I got my share of whippings. But, but you got to learn how to deal with your children from the perspective of the love of Christ. Everyday practical situations. Because if you are, if you are hellish at home, it's useless for you to come to church and try to be loving. Anyway, yeah, let me move on. because I have a lot to preach today. Amen. So God created us. God created mankind for his own glory. Out of that glory comes a full and meaningful life. The only way to experience that life is with a life of faith. You got to walk in faith. You got to live in faith. As our faith grows, as we mature in the Lord and engage in his work, more and engage in his work more and more, that faith life is like a, it's like a burning, it's like a, a, a fire burning inside of us that, that keeps us on track, that keeps us fruitful, that keeps us productive, uh, in life for the kingdom of God. But if that fire begins to wane, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. And as our final wanes, we become more involved again in useless, fruitless, 
unproductive, selfish things in this world. We'll do something for the Lord. <laughs> and that something might appear to be good at the moment. However, it will not be what the Lord requires or what the Lord has assigned for us to do. Lord, Lord, didn't I lay hands on the sick? Didn't I cast out devils in there? Did the Lord say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity? For I never knew you. So what I'm saying has scriptural foundation. There are people that will do something for the Lord, but will not be what the Lord requires. Nor will it bring glory, and if it's not what the Lord requires, it will not bring glory and honor to him in a way that re that's reflective of him and his majesty. So consequently, we need to do all we can to keep the f our fire burning and to help our brothers and sisters in the faith do the same. Amen. The scripture says that if you see your brothers and sisters overtaken in fault, you who are spiritual are to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness and meekness. And there are other scriptures that relate to how we should deal with one another. Last Sunday's message talked about how we should care for another person's fire. But today, it's not so much about our brothers and our sisters and how we can help them. It's about what we need to do to help ourselves maintain the intensity of our faith for God and for God's work. Amen? So, the, say, the Lord wants me to help myself. Amen? Amen. But as we do this, we're in a better position to help someone else. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Amen? Now, as I was preparing this, the thought came to mind, just think of how, how powerful the body of Christ would be if we had that perspective. If every one of us had the perspective, I must do everything I can to keep the fire of God burning inside of me. Just think of how powerful the body of Christ would be. I'm doing, you know, I'm, 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 I, I need to do what I need to do rather than waiting on my brother or my sister to come and encourage me. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I sense that this is what the Lord is saying to us uh, in this hour, and this is what we need to do. As growing, maturing believers, it's great that we have the safety blanket of our brothers and our sisters in the Lord to encourage us in the faith. However, we must never neglect the responsibility that we have to our own selves. Amen. To keep the fire, the flame of fire ablaze in our own lives. Why is this subject so important? Yeah. It, 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 it is something that, that we know we should be doing, and for many of us, many people are doing it, amen. However, we live in a world that is challenging. Yeah. We live among a crooked, as the scripture says, a crooked and a perverse generation of people. Hmm. We live in a time when people have more access to pleasure and other things that take their attention away from God. I was talking to Sister Talbert's sister at the funeral the other day, and she talked about, you know, when I was a child, we'd go to church and we'd stay three hours. Now people want to be out in an hour. 
But we think about that day and that time. Many times we didn't have anything to do on Sunday but go to worship. My daddy was strict. There are things we couldn't do and I couldn't understand. On Sundays, we could do it the rest of the week, but on Sundays, we couldn't do anything. So we played softball and hopscotch. Y'all don't even know what hopscotch is. How many people know hopscotch is? (laughs) Oh, I forgot. (laughs) You know, very, very, very strict. So so there were things that we couldn't do for, but just think about today. And then, you know, we grew up in a time when if you had a community baseball team, it would never, they never practice on Wednesday. Never. If you were involved in school activity, I grew up in the country, so, you know, there were not too many activities we could stay after school for because we had to ride the bus home. If you lived in the city, it might have been a different thing. And if your parents worked, only had one vehicle, or had no vehicle, then there was no opportunity for you to be involved in extracurricular activities. Just say, have you noticed? Have you noticed? Have you paid close attention to community activities? Most, and I wonder why is this? A lot of community things with young people happen on Wednesday. They happen on Wednesday and Sunday. And so now you have these traveling teams and these other things that take our people out of worship. And our children want to participate. And we want them to participate. But we have all of these things now that take our attention away from God and godly things. And then you have to ask yourself the question, if, 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 if these things are being taken away, what am I doing as a parent? Don't, don't say, what is the church doing? What am I doing as a parent to augment my child's faith or my grandchild's faith? What am I, if, if they can't participate in, 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 in spiritual activities when the church has scheduled them to participate, what am I doing to augment my child's activity. You know, a lot of people expect everybody else to take care of their children. It's like, you got children, but you don't want to deal with them. You feel like you birthed them, and that's enough. You cook breakfast for them and dinner for them. No, these are your children. I know I'm speaking to mostly grandparents. (laughs) But grandparents need to say to their children, these are your children. So your children. You take your grandchildren just like their own, and you're stressed out already. You were stressed out with your own children. And now you got your grandchildren, and you're stressed out about them. Because you won't make your children raise their own children. Somebody said, oh, not me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I love, I, 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 I look forward to the day when I have grandchildren. I pray that my son has a quiver full of them. I do. But thank the Lord he lives in St. Louis. And I live in South Carolina. 
I told my wife the other day, yes, holidays and summer <laughs> will work for us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this subject is important uh, because we have to keep this, this fire burning inside of us. Yeah. In this time that we're living in, that's challenging. In this time that we're living in, that, that where the world has gone after other gods, actually. Believers have to be very careful that we keep this fire burning inside of us. And we have to have a response for our own households. Amen? For our own children. We have to have a response so that, yes, we can allow our children to experience uh, some of the good activities that go on in life, but we have to uphold and hold high the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to create environments in our own homes and our own communities and in the fellowship of believers. But you see, once it's created at home, it'll be in the fellowship of believers. And sometimes we just don't, we don't, we don't need to look to the fellowship of believers for everything. You got to do some stuff at home. You got to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, so as we live in this crooked and this perverse generation of people, you know, how, what response do we have? What response do we have? Because we're, we're, we are, we are in, we are being in, we are in contact with all kinds of people. And, and they're in our families, they're on our jobs, they're in our circles of friends, they're in our community groups. And many times we are lured ever so subtly to do the things that will cause the fire of God to wane in us and our children. The word of God is so true. Be watchful, be sober, for your adversary prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may defile. Yeah, got to be watchful. Paul writes this on Timothy and, and encourages him to stir up the gift of God, which is in him, or to fan into flame the gift of God that's in him. Now, because we don't, we don't, necessarily make fires anymore. Young people may not understand fan into flame, but, you know, I remember learning how to make a fire in the wood heater and in the fireplace, you know, and once you get that, get that kindling lit, you know, uh, you, 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 sometimes you blow on it, you know, so you can cause it to get some intensity there. But then you keep on adding wood to it because if you want to heat the house, you gotta, you can't let it die out. And you got to stir up the coals, amen? And you got to keep that fire burning, amen? So this is what Paul is saying to Timothy. There is a fire inside of you that you got to stir up, okay? All right. Um, why does Timothy need this encouragement, all right? There are things happening, you know. Uh, Paul is encouraging Timothy. When you, when you read this letter, you get the sense of the fact that Paul is sensing that he's near the end of his life. Or he says he's going to die. You know, he says at the end, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the course. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, has laid up for me. You know, and, and so he senses that. But in this process, there are people who've deserted Paul. You read the book. There are people who deserted him. You know, desertion can really be a discouraging thing. 
Uh, and, and, and Paul wants to warn Timothy that, that in the faith, people may walk away from you. You got to be able to deal with that. You got to be able to handle that. Uh, Paul is in prison, if I didn't say that. Amen. Uh, that could be very, very discouraging to Timothy. So he says to Timothy, don't be encouraged because I'm in bonds. You know, uh, there are false teachers that have arisen in the church, you know, uh, and that have infiltrated the church. So there's a need for sound doctrine. There's, there's so many needs that, 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 that have to be focused on. And Paul wants to encourage Timothy. Paul even says the day is going to come when men will not endure sound doctrine. Amen. Well, but heap up to themselves teachers having itching ears. Amen. Because they want to hear what they want to hear. They want you to teach what they want you to teach. So he writes to encourage Timothy in, in this term. So the general tone of this letter is that of encouragement. And in our chosen text, we have the charge to Timothy to fan into flame the fire of God that was inside of him. We need to do that today. Amen. We need to stir up the gift of God who is in us. And of course, this scripture, I started talking about faith and you read the word gift and you think about the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, but the manifestation doesn't come unless the Holy Spirit is there. So the Holy Spirit lives inside of Timothy and the charge is given him to stir him up. Now, you might wonder how Timothy is going to do that because we have that, that same charge today. All right. Uh, so, Three things that I'm going to share with you, preferably in the next uh, however many minutes. Uh, first thing is, we must be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. If we're going to stir into flame, stir up the gift of God that's inside of us, and he's in us, amen, amen, He's in us because we've been born again. There's no way for you to be born again except by the Spirit of Almighty God. His manifestation is in us, amen, because he doesn't live within us without manifesting his presence in our lives. We need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Suffering is around. Persecution is around. Things happen. But you be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There is grace that is imparted to us from Jesus Christ as we live in relationship to him. You ever wonder, ever ask the question, Lord, how did I make it by the grace of God? God demonstrated his grace by giving Christ to die on the cross for our sins. It's that grace that keeps us in this life amid the attack of the enemy amid the desertion that we may experience by those who walk away from us. It is that grace that keeps us when we are overwhelmed with life and ministry. It is that grace that sustains us when we are weary and feel like giving up. It is that grace that keeps us amid sickness and suffering that comes as a part of this life. Some things are just going to come, but it's God's grace that keeps us. Paul understood this grace. You heard Paul say, amen, as he, in, in, in the book of Corinthians, as he was dealing with uh, a thorn in his flesh that was given to him, amen, he said, but because of the many revelations that God has given me, he gave, also gave me a thorn in my flesh to keep me humble. He said, I sought the Lord three times, amen, and he removed this thing, but God's answer was, amen, my grace is sufficient for you, for in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. Amen. And for all of us, God has said, my grace is sufficient. 
My grace is sufficient regardless of what you're going through. You have grace, amen, through your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's sufficient. So he says to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Don't just know about this grace, but be wrapped up in this grace. I was writing, I thought about that old song. that said, I'm wrapped up, I'm tied up. I'm what? Tangled up in his love. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So don't just know about the grace. Be wrapped up in it. Be tied up in it. Be tangled up in it. Embrace this grace. Stand firm in this grace. Resist every attempt to become godly through legalism or live it under the law. Don't allow anyone to pull you out or away from grace, the grace that's in Christ Jesus. I was talking with a brother one day, one time, and he said to me, he was a preacher. He said to me, you know, y'all worshiping on the wrong day. I looked at him, said, brother, how have you been deceived? The Lord said that we should keep the Sabbath. Sunday is not the Sabbath. No, it's not the Sabbath, but I'm not under the law. So you're not going to pull me out of grace. Because once I go back under the law, I have to keep all of the law in order to be justified. And I can't keep all of the law, so I'm going to stay under grace. Don't allow, don't allow people to pull you from under grace. Hallelujah. Amen. That's just one example. Amen. It's by grace that you've been saved. It's, it, is, it, it, it is grace that presents you faultless before the presence of the Lord's glory. It is grace that will encourage you when you're becoming discouraged. It is grace that will sustain you when you feel like giving up or when you feel like your fire is burning out. It is grace, glory to God, that will cause you to lift up your head when your head is bowed down by the pressures of life. It's grace. It's grace that provides forgiveness of sin when you fail in your walk with the Lord. It is grace that reminds us that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It is grace. This grace is new every morning. John chapter 1 verses 14 and 16 tells us that our Lord is full of grace and truth and through him we have all received grace. Upon grace, oh, we got an abundance of, don't let people, put, be strong, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Secondly, another way, another way to disturb the fire of God inside of you is to be diligent to present yourself, approved to God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Thank the Lord for this part of all of the message, but, but the Lord began to, because when you read it in the King James, it says, just as study to show yourself approved. But here it says, be diligent, be diligent, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Now, now yeah, Paul is talking to Timothy. Timothy is a pastor. And most of the time when we hear this, we are hearing God speaking to a pastor. 
But God is speaking to every believer. Diligence means having or showing care in one's work or duty. All right? If, if, if one is going to stir up the fire of God in him or herself, he must have and show care in presenting him or herself approved to God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly, now that word rightly divided, means cutting straight, means properly and correctly interpreting the word of truth. Be diligent, showing care in one's work or one's duty. The word of God is active and alive. Okay, it's like dry yeast that comes in contact with with the warmth uh, and moisture when you put it in food. When that contact is made, the yeast is activated and begins to do its work in the food. Once God's word encounters the warmth and moisture of that diligent person, Amen. It is activated and begins to do a work in our lives. The word of God is spirit and it is life. Once it reaches us, his spirit has reached us. Once it reaches us, his life has reached us. It cuts to the division asunder of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow of the... That's how accurate and how sharp and how effective the word of God is and is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. It also encourages us, helps us, strengthens us, gives life to us, and gives light to us. His word is wisdom imparted to us. His word is his truth poured out in us. Now, when, when we are diligent to present ourselves to God, as workmen who do not need to be ashamed, cutting straight and promptly the word of truth, that means that our focus in life is on pleasing the Lord as his worker or his employee. So you're not just a member of the church. You are an employee of the Lord. You've been employed in the Lord's work. Now, look at the effort people put into being excellent in life. The Lord says you got to put that same effort into being excellent in your faith walk. And you can't be excellent in your faith life unless you can cut straight the word of God. I look at our young people in band, football, Baseball, sports, whatever they do, they put forth effort. I mean, football players will watch what they eat. They will go to the gym and exercise. They'll do all of this stuff so they can be excellent. But when it comes to the word of God, you start a business and you do everything you can to make that business work. You sacrifice. You stay up late at night. Mm. You study. 
you, 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 you got a catering business, you learn new recipes. You do everything you can to be excellent. People get ready to get married, they go to counseling. Those who are serious, they work on themselves. They want to make themselves a better person so that the marriage can work. Do we put that same intensity in presenting ourselves to God as workmen who need not be ashamed cutting straight the word of the Lord. There's a problem in the body of Christ because a lot of us think that it's only the preachers who should go to Bible college or should go to seminary or who should study the Bible on a regular basis. No! It's every believer because every believer has ministry. Every believer has responsibility. Yeah. Be diligent. Be diligent. Be diligent to present yourself. This is sacrifice. Being an employee of the Lord will cost you something. Cost you something. I remembered the account of David when he wanted to purchase the floor of, of a, oh, what's that man's name? Yeah, I don't want to pronounce his name wrong, but uh, Arona. The man was going to give him the floor. David said, no, I will not sacrifice to God. That's what does not cost me anything. Let me tell you something. If your faith is going to be vibrant, if your faith is going to be on fire, if you're going to stir the flame of your faith, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you, it's going to cost you some sleepless nights. It's going to cost you spending your money on other things than getting your hair done and going out to eat and getting a haircut and buying new clothes. It's going to cost you spending your money on commentaries and dictionaries and books so you can read and study and grow. It's going to cost you something. It costs us very little, very little to get in our cars and make it to worship on Sunday morning. It's not a sacrifice for you most of the time to get up on Sunday morning and get dressed to come to church and then you come late. That's not much of a sacrifice. Thank God that you come. But that's not much of a sacrifice. What are you doing? What sacrifice are you making to present yourself an employee of the Lord who can rightly divide, accurately cut the, accurately cut the word of God straight? Lastly, lastly, Paul not only instructs Timothy to be diligent about presenting himself as a workman uh, who would not be ashamed, cutting straight the word of the Lord, or being strong in the grace of God. But Paul tells Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, use what you have. 
I didn't give you the other reference, but I know I'm preaching out of the whole book. So you go study the book. But in chapter 4, verse 2, Paul says to Timothy, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So you're diligent now. You're strong in the grace of God. You're diligent to present yourself as an employee of God who needeth not be ashamed correctly or accurately cutting or cutting straight the word of God. You got it. Now you got to use it. If you're going to stir up the fire of God that is inside of you, you got to use that fire. You got to use it. The fire is not inside of you just for you. Okay? It's not inside of you just for you to keep to yourself. It is inside of you for you to use in life and ministry. Yep. The fire is not inside of you for you to be glorified. Fire is inside of you for God to be glorified. And it's the same with the word of the Lord. I probably will tie all of this part together. The word of God that you've been hearing, the word of God that you've been studying, the word of God that you've been learning, the word of God that you've been embracing, you didn't get it to keep to yourself. Paul says to Timothy, I charge you. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and at his kingdom. Then he says, preach the word. But the charge comes first, right? Then in the charge, in the charge, there is a warning. There's a warning there that if you don't use what you have for the glory of God, you'll stand before God and answer for it. Charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and at his kingdom. Then he says, preach the word. So Paul is saying to us that we can't keep this gospel to ourselves. We've got to use this. In fact, we're charged to use it. You are. Not just me. You are. We're even one of the consequences of not using it. So we got to use this. So since, you know, I know, I know that many of us, many of us uh, uh, do not look at ourselves as being preachers of the gospel. Many of us proclaiming the gospel is not what we think about doing. And people will tell you, I'm not a preacher. But I beg to differ with you. You may not be a preacher licensed uh, from the vantage point of one who's been licensed and stand behind this sacred desk to preach the word of God. But you are a preacher. You are a proclaimer of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. From the vantage point that Jesus said that you are to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the world, in York, in Rock Hill, in South Carolina, 
in the United States to the uttermost parts of the world. We're preachers. We're proclaimers of the gospel. We've been sent into the world to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ so that other people will have the opportunity to know Jesus like we do. If we really believe that Jesus is the answer, if we really believe that Jesus is the Messiah, if we know the value of our own salvation, we want other people to know that same thing. We want other people to have that same opportunity. Jesus still says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He still says, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. He still says that. You've got the word. Now use it. Hallelujah. Not just keep it to yourself. Preach it. Proclaim it. Pray it. Write it. In any way you can, use the word in season and out of season. And when you start using the word, you're stirring up the fire of the Holy Ghost within you. Because the Holy Spirit is the author of the scriptures. So when you're preaching the word, when you're using the word, you're stirring him up. Every time I stand to preach, it's not that I have all of this that I've written down on paper, but there's a stirring that takes place inside of me. The Holy Spirit sees that when I stand to preach, there's something else I need to say. I mean, there's something that he's taught me, and he brings back to my remembrance. He's active. He's alive. Whoo! You can't proclaim the word without stirring him up. Start, start talking to your children the word of God. You may not necessarily say the scripture says, but just start using the word. And watch the Holy Spirit get stirred up inside of you. I see my daughter now. She's using my words. She stopped fussing and using her own words. Now she's using my words. Now he's stirred up and he's giving you more to say. He's giving you dreams and visions. He's working with you so that you know how to reach your children and your grandchildren. Let me tell you something. There's never an occasion when the word of God is inappropriate to share. For God has a word for every situation and every circumstance. So use the word to convince people of their sins. Your talk won't do it. Same lady I was talking to the other day said, there was a day when my husband wasn't a believer. She said, but the word of God said, that the, that the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the believing wife. And I started standing on the word. Hallelujah. I started praying the word. I didn't fuss at him. I didn't nag him. I just stood on the word. And then finally, my husband came in. Ooh. Use the word to convince people of their sins and, and their need for a remedy. People know that they're sick, but they don't know where the remedy is. You got the remedy. Who use the word to rebuke 
when people are doing wrong, use the word to exhort with all long suffering, to encourage, amen, with patience. Some, you got to be patient with people. The Lord was long suffering with you. I like the word long suffering, amen, because patience doesn't, doesn't really describe, you know, long suffering. God suffered long with you. God's still suffering with us. Are y'all hearing me? Some of us, he's suffering harder than others. Amen. Amen. Use the word. Use the word to teach because the word is powerful. It will do what God intends for us to do, for it to do. I pray every time I preach. Lord, you said that your word will not return to you void. It will accomplish what you desire. You said you will prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. So this is how you stir up the gift of God inside of you. I'm not talking about going and get an iron poker and try to stick it down your throat and stir up something. Be strong. Be strong in the grace that is inside you. Be diligent to present yourself to God an employee. <laughs> Do you have that concept? Hmm. So at the end of the day, you want to collect what? Ah. <laughs> you got to work like you want to get a paycheck. Use the word that you have, that you get from your diligent the care that you show to God with his word, use it, proclaim it everywhere you go and watch God move. That's how we stir this up. We can come in the sanctuary and we can sing and we can dance and shout and go home and that's nothing. But if this is a very, very deliberate effort on the believer's part to be strong in the grace of God, to diligently present him or herself to God as a workman who isn't ashamed, correctly and accurately cutting the word of God and using that word every day, then there's a fire that's blowing, burning inside of you. And every time you trust the grace of God, every time you get in that word and start studying and digging, you're fanning the flame. Every time you begin to share the word of the Lord, you're fanning that flame and it's growing bigger and bigger and bigger. Bigger. It's what God does. Amen. Let's stand. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void, but it accomplishes all that you desire. Thank you, Father, that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you, Lord. We commit ourselves to you. I pray, dear Lord, that we will stir up your gift that's inside of us so that we can effectively live this life, relate to one another, and fulfill the assignment that's on our lives. Thank you, Father. You didn't leave any of us out. Every believer you've included and made it possible for all who believe 
and receive you to be included as well. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now, if there's anybody today, you want to give, you want to be included in the Lord's plan. You want to be included in what God is doing in this world today. He's working, he's moving, he's saving, he's healing, he's delivering. There's a place for you. You're God's child. You belong to him. You don't belong to yourself. You can't live your life the way you want to live it. Then at the end, just expect the Lord to say, come on in my kingdom. It doesn't work that way. There's a place for you. As we're talking about encouraging others, right now we're encouraging you to yield your life to Jesus because you have a place in the Lord's work to encourage someone else. But you got to get started. You got to come. You got to give your life. You got to humble yourself. Nobody can do this for you but you. So if you're here today or you're watching me online and you want to give your life to the Lord so that you can be a part of his plan, this is how you do it. Recognize that you're a sinner and you cannot save yourself. Recognize and acknowledge the fact that God sent Christ Jesus. Jesus gave his life on the cross to satisfy divine justice, God's righteous law, to make it possible for you to be saved. If you will accept that sacrifice as a sacrifice on your behalf for you and ask Jesus to come into your life, he will do just that. He will come in, he will save you. He will forgive you of your sins, he will save you. You'll be reconciled to God. It's up to you. If you want to do that, pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. But Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. You satisfied the righteous requirement of God's law so that I could be accepted by God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice so that I could be saved. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save me from my sin. I submit my life to you. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. And Lord, Thank you for hearing me. Thank you for answering me. Thank you for coming in to live inside of me. Amen. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. 
or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.